Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. So, Dean, we're pretty big fans of food and beverage, right? Yes. Yeah. More on the beverage side sometimes, but yes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we did do a whole cooking show. We did. For a yes, couple years. Yes, you know, yes. You the pandemic there. did some yeah. interesting things. Yeah. So, I mean, right. we, we obviously have a, an affinity yeah. for yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, look, today we're going to be talking about a, a little bit how the, the folks that deliver that mm-hmm. food to the stores and mm. your local retailers and the places that you need to pick that stuff up, because there's some tech involved in there. Or there yeah. should be some tech involved. We hope in there so, absolutely. To make sure that that all runs smoothly and everything yep. gets from uh, you know the food production and dis- distribution facilities yeah. to the places where you can buy it and consume it in a timely manner. When you right? think about it, it's a fascinating orchestra of yeah. stuff that is going on there. Very yeah, much yeah. is, yeah. yeah. Desperately, we, all we care about is that it's on the shelves when it's when at we the end show of the road. And yeah, yeah. And dinner. then we yeah. pout when we don't get the brands yeah. that we want and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never mind all the poor people behind the scenes that are right. working diligently to yeah. get everything yeah, 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 there. Yeah, yeah. So. So we have Julie DeRose joining us today from CIS Group. We're going to be talking all about food and beverage technology. She's a specialist in that, and it's something that CIS specializes in. We're going to get into her time in the industry. She's got a background in Mm -hmm. F&B. We're going to talk about some of the challenges that distributors are facing to get stuff onto those those shelves. Absolutely. Technology solutions that Mm -hmm. go into that and how that benefits not only the distributors, but the retailers on the end of getting those products, too. And thus us, the consumers. Yeah, thus us. There we go. And then we'll give her her a chance to look at some crystal ball and uh, and give us some I love that some look into the future of maybe what might be next for yes. you for store delivery yes. and like am I going to get a robot that's going to actually deliver it to me? No. I don't know. I don't we'll, know. We'll, we'll see if Julie knows. Oh, if, Julie's if, got if the answers for in us, the works. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All enough. that plus our usual value to the var. What's tech connecting with us? It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned today, our guest is Julie DeRose. She is the VP of Sales and Marketing for CIS Group. Uh, Julie, thanks so much for joining us today. Yes. We appreciate having you on the show. Love uh, this is one of those topics I've kind of wanted to get into. Yeah, and right. Just was waiting to find a, an expert to really talk about it. Oh, you found one exactly. So yep. tell us a little bit about you and your background in F and B because I know that kind of is going to inform this topic. Is you've you've lived this life? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you first of all for having me on. This is very. Um, very interesting and, and very new for me, but uh, very pleasant. Uh, yes, I've been in the food and beverage industry for the past 25 years or so. Um, my first job uh, was actually with Coca-Cola bottling. So I, I worked with Coca-Cola for a couple of years. And uh, as a salesperson, I've always been in sales. It's what I've done my whole life. My studies were in completely different fields, but I've always worked in sales. And then I moved on to Labatt Breweries. Um, and there was um, so much going on in the industry at that time when I joined. It was the introduction of specialty beers in the Canadian market. Um, you know, everything was about the domestic products that you would find out there. And they were starting to get this, you know, this enthusiasm for imported beers and specialty beers. It was a fun time because we were able to introduce um, in the market all kinds of new products that customers didn't really know um, or could only try when they went on trips in Europe and stuff like that. So that was that was a fun, fun time um, getting those products out on the market and actually making them a success because most of them are still on the shelves today, um, all these years later. And after that, I was in food for 
16 years with the same company called Plaisir Gastronomique, which is a uh, ready-to-eat or um, um, ready-to-heat food company. So a manufacturer based in Quebec. Uh, we manufactured everything from salads, pies, quiches, deli meats, um, a whole range of products. And I was actually in charge of the sales team there as well as national accounts. So I covered all of the national accounts um, on my own, whether it's Sobeys, Metro, Walmart, Costco, name them, um, introducing new products on the market, getting listings, um, planning um, ads with the different banners. So everything related to commercializing those products that we were putting out there. Nice. Very good. Just and then the background the CIS group, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the software side, which is interesting, right? You bring all that wealth of knowledge over to the software, you know, the industry that you're, or the, the, yeah. the solution you have now. Well, I was actually a client of CIS's for 15 years. There okay, there uh -huh. it is. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. Um, I actually worked with the, the CIS platforms for my sales reps. They were using uh, the CIS application to do their daily chores when they went in stores and, and you know, do their, manage their priorities and ex do the execution and capture planograms and all that. So I was the one that implemented um, the CIS software at Plaisir Gastronomique, as well as an ERP prior to that, which was something completely new and different. But when you work in a smaller size business, when you leave those big guys and you work for a smaller size business, you wear many hats. So that was my first connection with um, uh, CIS. And then it was time for a change. And I decided to knock on the door. It's a family owned business which is something that really speaks to me. So was Plaisir Gastronomique. So that's something I was really looking for uh, in a new uh, opportunity for myself. So decided to give the president a call, asked him if he had an opportunity for me. And here there I am. Yeah, there you go. Very good. Straight to the top. Yeah. And hey, I appreciate uh, the, the salesman's lament, the salesperson's lament of, yeah, I didn't actually study for this. I had no plans to be in sales. This was not my intention, and here I am. Because I don't know too many salespeople that right. uh, don't go to school you know, for it. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 yeah, I don't, right. well, I don't recall a bachelor's in like sales. Right. You know, usually yeah, it's just exactly. a, a place you tend to end That's up. Funny. So. That's funny. All right. Well, hey, then that obviously lends, like I said, a lot of credence to you uh, and your background and understanding yeah. what's going on in this industry. So let's reflect on that a little bit and talk about you know F and B as an as an overall industry. What's mm -hmm. changed? And you mentioned a little bit about some of the changes, like you know, with the the beer companies adding. more more and more, you know, uh, products, those, you know, yeah. craft beers and more products and just needing to have more variety. But let's, let's talk about the technology side too. So what have you seen change in your time since back at Coca-Cola, Labatt, and, and up to now, you know, wh where have things changed throughout the industry when it comes to the technology that they were using on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, actually back then, the technology for DSD distribution was only accessible to, to large size companies. So it was only those Coca-Colas and those Labats that were able to have, you know, the software running on the rugged equipment to do DSD deliveries and be able to issue um, the final bill at the point of sale. So most smaller companies were working on paper. Um, you know, they would issue orders uh, they would then pick the orders, put them on trucks, and they would they would deliver with uh, a piece of paper. Sometimes products would be missing, uh, products would be wrong on the order. They would have to bring that piece of paper back to the office, have someone enter in the corrections, issue a final bill. That final bill will not be signed because the the driver was already you know gone and 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 so 
it, w- it was all very, very manual at that time, um, other than those large size companies. There's also all the root optimization aspect of it that did not was not really present back then. So it wasn't as efficient as it is today. And now, you know, it's a new generation of managers. It's a new um, generation of IT specialists. Mentalities have changed. Um, a lot of companies in the past would have their own made in-house solutions that they used to run to do their DSD. And that would actually you know, have the good and bad practices um, implemented in their process, which was not necessarily what they, you know, ultimately the right thing to do. Today, it's different. Clients are looking to use best practices of the industry. um, And and banners have imposed so many different criteria that companies need to meet in order to be able to deliver in their stores. Um, You know, reception of orders and invoices needs to be done through EDI. You need to be able to capture proof of delivery, the stamps, the signatures. Um, And if you don't respect all of these criteria that they've put on uh, over the years, you're, you're imposed, you know, major penalties and fees uh, when something in your process isn't compliant. So it becomes very expensive for retailers to do this whole process on a piece of paper and do it the old fashioned way, the way it used to be done. You absolutely need to, you know, have the necessary tools to be able to do this now, especially, like I said, to meet the criteria of the banners that are getting more and more um how can I say this? Difficult to follow, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. Right. Well, certainly in Canada, uh, for sure. Boy, I had some flashbacks as she was talking. Oh, right? yeah? Oh, yeah, back to my pizza days and, oh, and you yeah, know, yeah. the delivery of the food. It was all paper back right, then. Right, right. But, yeah, justifying it, right? rectifying, well, no, we're not accepting these whatever vegetables because right. they look like terrible. So take <laughs> them back, and we're not going to get billed from them. What a manual process that whole world was, for sure. Route optimization, I mean, we... I worked in a pizza delivery. I wonder if they're using route optimization oh, for I'm pizza sure. delivery at yeah. this point, because it really was just the guy who knew like the whole area really, <laughs> really well, uh, and he would do that. A real cool question for you here, Julie. What what percentage? You know, I think you're making a really good argument that compliance is driving a lot of the need to for this digitization, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, of the whole process. Do you have any idea what percentage of folks in the retail space are still on paper or still, you know, not utilizing these types of technologies? Anybody that is officially listed with a major chain uh, across Canada needs to be uh, set up, you know, the way that only large companies were way back when. Um, if you're a small company um, that you know delivers backdoor, that does not necessarily have an official listing, you can still get away with it. Um, but I would say it, it would have to be about 90% of the industry now that r- runs some kind of software um, to do their DSD distribution. Is it the same in the U.S.? Do you know? Uh, I, absolutely. Maybe... I, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Okay. Well, there you go. See, there's hope. We yeah, always no. think that this whole world is paper, but uh, through <laughs> compliance and regulation, you kind of, kind of, you know, square up on the technology. Yeah, right? I find it more often than not when we think that people are still using ancient technology, or it's just us, like uh, because I don't know, because I think we just assume that everyone is, needs to be caught up at some yeah, point. So. Yeah, but there's still a lot of warehouses beyond there well, being yeah, operated yeah, yeah. on yeah. paper. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, let's, so let's talk about some of the challenges that distributors are facing here. Mm-hmm. You know, if if they're they're looking to get their products 
on the shelves. And I'm thinking also, especially like when you get into some of like the more the more regional or local distributors that you know they're not the big national chains, but they've mm-hmm. got like an area that you know their products are well known in, and they're they're trying to get you know there's much of their stuff out there as possible, get the word out as much as possible. What kind of challenges are they facing to get their stuff onto store shelves right now? It's all about right now having the right product on the shelf, having the right space occupied on that shelf at the right moment. Um, At this time, you know, things have changed a lot. Um, Manufacturers don't necessarily want to support um, a whole bunch of inventory, neither do the stores. They don't want to have all kinds of stuff in the back. Uh, You know, it's just money sitting there. So distribution software helps distributors make the right decision at the right moment. It's all about making that right decision at the right time. Um, It's also very helpful from a financial standpoint, because in many cases, uh, and I'm sure that's true across Canada and the U.S., manufacturers have to guarantee their sales to the retailers. So that means that whatever is not sold once it actually the best before date is is passed, uh, companies need to issue credit for. It is extremely expensive. Back in the day, my one of my main drivers, one of the main KPIs that I would look at would be my my return percentage. It was all about those returns. So if you have a software that can help your distributors make the right decisions at the right time. You know, sometimes you'll have a product on the shelf and you'll actually deliver a case every week and you'll take back that case the following week. Well, your software will tell you maybe you should not deliver that product anymore. Maybe you should occupy more space with another SKU that you constantly run out of. That's the challenge today. It's having that right product on the shelf at the right moment, occupying the right space in the store. This is, it's what it's all about. And so what's facilitating that? Is it integration amongst all these various parties? Is, is that going to be the driver at the end of the road, Julie, that, that makes this happen? Because I can see these disparate systems trying to communicate with one another, uh, you know, right? I mean, if I'm the local rep that's trying to do my delivery, how do I get tapped into the bigger system to, to have the visibility on, oh, do I need to deliver this case here today or not? Is, is that the ch- part of the challenge, too? It will be. Um, I don't think we're there just yet. I think at some point we will get there. Um, There's going to have to be some kind of integration with all the information. And, you know, that's probably going to be where AI was going to come in at some point uh, to capture outside information as well as the document, the information that you capture when doing your own uh, deliveries. You can you can start talking about, you know, the sales of other companies and you can factor in more uh, more stuff into your decision-making process. Uh, eventually, it will have to be integrated for sure. What are some of the other processes, I guess, that manufacturers, because you work with them on the manufacturing side, correct, and trying to help them auth- uh, you know, optimize their, their processes. Are they looking at consumer trends and things of that nature? Are they, ta- are they trying to take that into their business decision about you know, what product goes where and things like that? Yeah, Absolutely. There's an incredible amount of money invested yearly um, uh, by manufacturers to understand the market, to understand if the product they plan on on putting out there is the right one. Um, it, there's there's so much that's put into it. it everything is taught up. Every detail is, is planned. Um, yes, yes, for sure. It's it's very present. 
as we get a little bit more automated, you know, I've always figured the food distribution arena to be very uh, relationship bound, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, you, you develop the relation and certainly come from the sales side, Julie, and perhaps you can appreciate this. You know, it's like, well, hey, you know, you get to know, you know, the person right, that you're delivering right. to. And maybe that has an influence on I'm not talking the big planograms with the big brands, but maybe you can have an influence on whether or not your product is visible. Right. You know, if, you're, a, if your favorite which, delivery person, salesperson or whatever is kind of plugging something right? and recommending like, exactly. hey, this is going to be a hot product. Yeah. You guys should put this up yeah, yeah, forefront. Yeah. You might be more than inclined to do that. Yeah, Bingo. Does that still play a role in food distribution today? And do you think automation is going to negate that or is it still going to be you know present even in the future? The human factor will always remain. I'll give you a good example. Whenever you're going to have um, distributors that are selling from their truck, because keep in mind that there's two types of deliveries. You can deliver orders or you can actually do selling from a truck. That means that the driver or the delivery person goes into a store, actually will look at what is left on the shelf and will suggest an order to the client and say, okay, this week you sold this many of this. I suggest that we put in this many. I suggest that we double the facing of something else because you ran out. So anybody selling from a truck that's actually picking the order right from the truck and doing the rotation of the product himself in the store, that intervention will never go away, I believe. Um, It's not all companies that deliver orders. They're not all set up that way. A lot of snack companies uh, work this way. Uh, And and I don't see that. uh, I don't see that changing in the near future. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It does. And I think it even more emphasizes your idea of the relationship Absolutely. because, again, oh, right. yeah. Yeah, you, for know, sure. if you show up in a store and you're not someone that has a good relationship and you're trying to tell them, this is what you need to buy and this is what I think you should do. Mm-hmm. If they don't like you and they don't like <laughs> the way you operate Get or if you're here, pushing right? product yeah. on them because you're trying to meet a quota mm-hmm, and you're not selling mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. that's going to have a, create a bad relationship there. So I think, again, having yeah. the informed decision making of having some technology behind it that lets you say, like, hey, there's a reason I'm telling you to do this because here I'm, I'm, I'm seeing exactly exactly what's been going on trend-wise mm-hmm. in other stores or in your store. So this is why I'm suggesting this particular product. Yeah. I think it'll go a long way to building that relationship and making you someone they trust. Yeah, but it's interesting. That. And I don't know that this is in the CIS uh, software because I, I don't know your product uh, quite as well. But, you know, on the retail analytics, I can totally see that. You know, the retailer has their analytics. Right. The, the manufacturers have their analytics. <laughs> right. And so it's like, you know, and they're... And yeah, they're where the two to, meet, yeah. But to me, it's, it's an art form what to put in a retail store space you know there's a little bit of art to it right Right. it's a little bit of guesswork a little bit of nuance to you know what do we promote what do we do where we you know what do we put a little bit more shelf space around and stuff like that so i don't know well i know like back when i was in in retail for books a bookstore for instance Mm, yeah right i remember like you know we always our company always had planograms you know of the the best sellers and the top selling titles or stuff that was just being pushed or Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe something that we got some money to 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 suggest you know and and promote a little stronger than others yep but you know but even just like location around our area could have different priorities. Like, for example, the downtown yeah, store. that before. Yeah, right, the, yeah, the store in downtown Cincinnati would always have business titles featured mm-hmm. more prominently because mm-hmm. it was in an area where more business people were routinely stopping in on their lunch breaks or Makes coming sense. by. Yeah. And therefore might have been looking for that style of book a little Whereas more. If Whereas if you had done mine, that here, yeah. Yeah, which is a little more off the beaten path from you know, collected the, the business world. Yeah, right. like our business section was a little further back, not <laughs> yeah. as robust, not yeah, as yeah, much yeah. stuff there. Yeah. And we might emphasize more of like travel stuff, you know, because mm. people stopping through from the airport on the mm-hmm, way out or something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah. you know, I think there's there's a lot of, you know, 
a lot of nuance that I think each store has to bring to yep. it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that's where I think a little bit of you know intelligence and technology behind it can help you figure that out. Yeah. yeah. So so Julie, let's let's kind of get into some of those tech solutions. Then we talk about stuff like like route planning, uh, you know, POS on site, being able to sell right, right out of the back of the truck, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and add extra items onto a sale. Proof of delivery, the signature signature capture, mobile communications back to you know your hub, you know, mm-hmm. and you know that transfer of receipts or updating order type stuff. How does all of that benefit, especially when you get down to the SMB? Because a lot of our VARs that we work with are most likely are going after you know are yep. working with SMB retailers, yep. distributors, the folks that are trying to maybe compete with those those giant chains and those national brands mm-hmm. that for a long time have already had this technology in place and probably have it down to maybe a science. So, you know, how does implementing all of that help them and how does it benefit both ends of that spectrum? Well, it's all about the data that we capture. Uh, the data that we capture helps those um, distributors make better decisions. So if they want to be successful, they need the tools in order to become successful. And, and that comes from technology. So using the software for DSD distribution is one part. There's also the whole sales aspect of it because we do both here at CIS. We do DSD software, but we also do a CRM type of software where we where we help the sales force of, a, of any company be able to make those data-driven decisions on a daily basis and do the execution in store as well. So it's all about those decisions. And, and, but I think, you know, has it has become more accessible through the years? Um, you know, we work with companies that have anywhere from one route to, to hundreds of them. So it, now it, it, it's accessible to everybody. So at least it's going to give those smaller distributors that are often working for themselves, you know, because when you have distributors selling from a truck, they'll actually purchase inventory from the company that they represent and they will sell it themselves and, and there are they have their own companies. So being equipped with this software helps them make the better decisions, helps them be more efficient, be able to do more visits during a day and put the right product on the shelf at the right time in the right space. Yeah. If we could go back to the compliance, because I don't know this world quite as well, but yeah. uh, you're, you're indicating that obviously through various compliances, whether it's in Canada or U.S., a lot of this aspect needs to be documented, right? Uh, yeah. So whether it's the proof of delivery or, or and things of that, and we've talked on this uh, cha- or this uh, program about supply chain, right, mm-hmm. all the way down mm-hmm. the the chain of of supply and, and figuring out, you know, where did something come from and and all those kinds of good things, especially if like recalls get involved, yep. you know, that, yep. that happens often in, in food, yeah, you know? right, exactly. So uh, is that really, uh, you know, when you think about it, is uh, and again, I, I posed the question earlier, is that being the bigger driver behind a lot of this but is that compliance hard to meet if you're not using a system like the one that you guys have i, I would it's imagine impossible. it'd be yeah okay there it is it's impossible it's impossible just what you mentioned about recalls if you don't have traceability to the point of sale um they will not even let you sell to them because if you don't have that aspect if ever a recall needs to be done if you need to go too broad it it, it won't work right so you need to be able to tell a retailer um, where you sold, which item, which lot number at all times. So meeting those uh, those criterias and, and the compliance uh, of the retailers these days um, 
is something that companies need to invest a lot of money in. Um, everything is expensive. And, and to be very honest, um, the fees and penalties related to that has become a business um, for retailers. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's hidden fees that you need to cover when you're not compliant. So it's, it's, it's something that, you know, every company that does business with them needs to work day in and day out at meeting because otherwise it, it just makes it pretty much impossible. So what are some of the bigger headwinds or, or uh, pushbacks that you get when you're trying to implement your system? So obviously there's the easy argument that, you know, you need to be compliant and things of that nature. Yeah. What are some things, what are some challenges that you guys face at CIS or, you know, uh, a similar type brand implementation? What, I'm trying to figure out where the, where the, the hardship is for a reseller or a solutions integrator who's walking in. You know, what barriers are they going to see towards implementing these solutions? Um, the main thing would be, you know, s some people will be a little bit afraid that their uh, their employees or their drivers will not be able to adapt um, to the technology. Uh, but the way the product is designed, it is very, very intuitive. So that's that's the first objection that will come across. But it's the one that's the easiest uh, to put to rest because once we show them how this works and how intuitive it is and it you know it it it, it doesn't require any knowledge um, you know any, any technology knowledge at all to be able to operate it so sometimes we'll put the device in the hand of a driver who's been working for a company for years and years and years and has always done his distribution on paper and he'll actually be able to figure it out without us have even having to train him on it. So it's it's really really simple um, to use. Then comes um, obviously it's an investment, right? So um, the second uh, barrier will be um, financial related. You know, financial related. It will be cost, but that's also pretty easy because when you're able to show value and you're able to show everything that they're going to gain in terms of you know invoices that they will not have to credit anymore because they're not able to supply the copy the signed copy of the invoice to their client that part alone and the amount of you know uh, deliveries that they're going to be able to do extra every day because their process is going to be so much faster just that makes the return on investment so easy to to point out and to to capture that it, it it's not Everything we're able to to we're, we're able to reject all of the objections pretty pretty easily. Uh, then it it comes down to it comes down to features. It comes down to the actual product. Um, and with that, you know, we're we're fortunate. We have the best product out there. We have the knowledge. We have the know how. We've been around for so many years. Um, so it makes it, you know, you just have to be be able to to find the opportunities at the right time because if someone is already using something they have to be in the business of changing they have to be looking for something else so it's all about timing and relationships basically yeah. i can see those first ones you know when you're implementing a new system from paper yeah. i can just oh, imagine yeah. like a delivery guy or, or gal you know that's been doing it a certain way for 10 years or whatever yeah oh wait you're telling me my route now no no right. I, I like going this route right or, yeah exactly. you know i can i can see not just the device itself yes the mobile device and okay instead of the clipboard now you have this ruggedized mobile yeah. device yeah. and you know, there's a little bit of a barrier there, but even like, well, no, this is the route. This is a more efficient route that you should go on and stuff like that. I can see yeah. maybe 
babies, just some learning, right? Oh, yeah. Right? People yeah. getting used to the new technology. Definitely. Yeah, well, we talked to our friends from Blue Star Europe a couple of weeks ago about retail yeah, trends. Right. And I remember Yord in particular pointing out that, that you know, uh, new ISV and software solutions had kind of helped level the playing field mm-hmm. between retailers and, you know, and the, the smaller, the small you know, SMB retailers, and in this case, distributors, and the big dogs. Because, again, the big dogs have had this stuff for a while. And maybe yep. you're going up against, like, full logistics departments. I'm sure right, a, right, right, I'm right. sure a Coca-Cola or a PepsiCo has, you know, their entire own you know, suite of logistics folks mm-hmm. that are out there every mm-hmm. day, you know, optimizing everything and ensuring yep. all the right stuff's everywhere. Right. And if I was, you know, the local beverage distributor, you know, yep. that has, like, 10, beer, 10 right? 20 stores yeah, exactly. or something, you know, that yeah, they yeah. particularly, you know, deliver to – Again, just having this kind of solution in your pocket and being able to to go out and implement mm-hmm. it is going to make a big difference and help you, mm-hmm. you know, get that level up where you can at least at least be on the same tier yeah. with what some of the others are doing, even if you don't have quite. Well, the so scale. you can gain the same efficiencies, right? Exactly. I mean, all the efficiencies that Julie's done a good job of lining out here. We haven't even gotten into things like communication, right, and the yep. instant communication yep. between the delivery vehicle and and the home base, if you will, right. and stuff like that. You, yeah, in order to be as efficient. And just in time as the other ones, you kind of have to be in this world. Exactly. And at the end of the day, that helps you build those relationships even better. So if you you have that relationship, you know, angle already going on and you're able to layer on the technology on Mm -hmm. top of it to be super efficient and Mm -hmm. get everything right and optimized and meet all those compliance needs. It's kind of a win-win scenario, I think, for everybody on either side there. So. Well then, let's let's okay. Let's do our little future forecasting here. Uh-huh. Let's talk about what's next. Uh, and from your point of view, as again, from your time in that industry and where you are now, and what you've seen in the past and the technology that's coming along, are there any are there any types of technology in particular that you're seeing that's going to make an impact? I'm thinking stuff like AI automation. How is that going to further change how direct store delivery is managed? Well, for sure, AI will eventually be part of the decision-making process uh, using data from the software solutions and outside data. For instance, weather, uh, competition sales, uh, retail price audits. It will allow companies to be even more precise um, in the analysis of the data that they capture and that they have. Uh, If you factor in, you know, seasonality and weather, just weather, Um, Let's say you sell beer um, and you're able not only to use the data that you you capture doing deliveries and through your salespeople, but in your forecasting, if you're able to include some kind of artificial intelligence uh, to capture, you know, weather and previous year sales and competition and retail price, you know, forecasting will be better. Shelf presence will be better. Out of stocks will lower. Um, for sure, it will allow to be even more precise in everything that a manufacturer does. And the same thing for retailers. It, it's, it's going to make its way in there. We've already started talking about it. We're actually looking into it as we speak. Um, it's, it's going to play a very significant role in the future, I am convinced. What, do you, what is your take on or how much impact are you seeing or pressure, if you maybe is the right word to use here, uh, around sustainability and like things like food waste and things of that nature? You know, obviously, there's there's that push on the on the consumer side, right, the, to want to know, you know, how are these companies dealing with sustainability and stuff like that? Is that creeping into your space as well? I mean, are you getting asked by customers to to integrate that into the software in some way, you know, whether it's returns or I'm trying to think of how that may manifest itself in your world. But uh, are you starting to see that? Is there any play there um, that's, that's becoming relevant? I can't relevant? say that I have. No? Okay. 
No, not yet. Um, but you know what? You do make a good point. I'm sure that at some time, uh, sometime in the near future, it's probably going to start being an aspect that you know, I, both retailers and manufacturers are going to start looking at. Um, you were talking about the aspect of returns, for sure. Um, there's nothing sustainable about producing an item, having it, you know, um, be delivered uh, using a truck, getting put on a shelf, and then actually being returned. And destroyed. Um, it, it, it will play a role. Um, has it been something that we've been requested from us at this time? No, but I think it's going to help in some ways eventually. Yes. For yeah. Sure. And the reason I ask is because we're, we're starting to get asked from some of our customers, you know, larger customers, they, you know, they have environmental impacts statements mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. policies that they're trying to adhere from. Some are internally imposed, some are externally imposed by government regulation, things of that nature. And when we work with them, you know, as a distributor, we can bring efficiencies into their workflow sometimes. Right. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is going to help us with our green initiative or whatever in certain amount of ways because if we just ship it to you then that cuts down this or right, blah 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 right. uh and so I, I didn't know if that was starting to creep into your space and then then food waste is like a whole different oh, yeah. animal there yeah. when you when you look at the statistics of how much food is actually wasted it's it's like it's kind of depressing yeah, it's really <laughs> it is so you know how can we but i but you know i i can see it creeping into your world with the whole efficiencies and 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 i don't know what the the indicators would be, but I can definitely see that as being a part of the whole right ecosystem mm-hmm. of software mm-hmm. that's running these these types of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, obviously, again, you know, the, the, where AI in particular is the one where I see just so much benefit from being able to track trends. You know, you mm-hmm. mentioned like you know the the forecasting, like with something like weather. I think of stuff like sporting events. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say the Canadians are in you know the NHL playoffs, and there's a game tonight. Isn't hey great time to have you know stock up on Labatt in in your local stores? <laughs> you know, like there's going to be more people buying it than usual. It's just things like that that you know. Granted, most retailers probably think of and acknowledge, but again, it's it's the stuff that you don't think of or, or that might slip through or that might just you might miss mm. the weather forecast stuff you know we always i don't know if this is a thing in canada up in the u.s there's always jokes especially in certain parts that you know if you hear that snow's coming everyone races to the stores That's to right. buy up bread yeah. and milk clear you know? out the stores yeah even though you know most of us do not ever live in a places where we're going to get trapped in our houses for the most part you know like it's <laughs> right it just doesn't usually happen but it's still just the instinct everybody has just stuff like that that i think if there's any opportunity to pick up on those trends beforehand and make sure that you're you know acting accordingly so that you're mm-hmm. not running out mm-hmm. i'm sure you you know, again, the pandemic was obviously a, you know, a novel kind of thing that we weren't expecting. But it, just to be able to know that if something like that came along and, you know, I don't know, maybe the, the toilet paper distributor realized like, hey, there's something going on over here and it's starting to slowly spread. We need to ramp up. Now, granted, I don't know if anyone expected that ahead of time. No. If that's yeah. a common occurrence or would ever happen again. <laughs> but it's something I would think, you know, that people right. would try to want to predict for whenever yeah. possible. Yeah. So, Julie, I got one for you, though. Let me get your take on robotics because, you know, I know it's not there just yet. Uh, but you are starting to see it. We're starting to see it in little ways. Like, you know, there's a Ohio State University here locally uh, has robotics that will deliver food. You know, obviously, this is to the end user, to students in their dorms or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they'll, mm-hmm. they'll drop it off at the door. Uh, I can see that eventually making its way, p- potentially, obviously, in the store for sure. But 
but maybe even in direct store delivery. I don't know. I mean, what what is your as you look in a crystal ball? Are you even are you guys even thinking about it? Are you hearing about it? Is it so far down the future, like ten years away, that it's not really relevant at this point in time? What, what's your take on robotics as it relates to that? I think that it applies to last mile delivery to an individual uh, more than it would to uh, distribution. The way that we automated here with our software. I, I believe that it's, you know, it is already present, like you said, in the last mile delivery, uh, whether with drones or with uh, robots or what have you, um, you know, delivering, you know, there's so many steps to delivering, you know, the the, the docks and the trucks and the, the waiting time. And I don't see it um, in the near future, but who knows, probably, Somewhere down the line, I don't think I'll still be around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Elon's got his trucks that are rolling now, right? That was his vision was like you know between certain DCs, right? Right. Right. From this big distribution center in Vegas to this big distribution center somewhere else, we can just automate that. Yeah, 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 something like that for sure. But I, yeah, your your point. Well, and I think going back to Julie's point earlier, that the human element is is hard to take out of this equation because again, let's talk about that person that you know that trusted trusted. Delivery person, yeah. trusted vendor that's you know mm-hmm. walking into your store and telling you what you need to buy. Like if you you know that's a robot, you're not going to have the same relationship. You know, like maybe not. I don't, I unless, don't know. Unless we get to unless like Star Wars GPT level robots, that you're talking yeah, exactly. to it. You know, and the language model is there, right. and you're interfacing with somebody you think is. Yeah, maybe yeah. if we get to that point where it's you know the more interactive and engaging and social type robots, yeah. you know, that aren't trying to take over the world, then maybe you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we get there. But yeah, I think that's a future that most of us, pro- the, the three of us probably aren't yeah. likely to yeah, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at least no, maybe the very end. My takes like Julie's. I mean, you're definitely seeing in the last mile, and I, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to watch that. And, and, it, and it works in certain highly populated right, concentration right. areas. Uh, but yeah, I'm always interested, well, how, when's this going to start affecting more of what I would call the business side of it, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're not there yet. There's one, there's one um, retailer in, in Canada that um, introduced uh, its suppliers to a new warehousing system that they were putting in place for at-home deliveries. And it was, it was called like a hive where they had all different slots and it was huge, a huge building. And it was robots that were actually putting, you know, the orders together. And then these orders were put in a truck and were delivered to clients' houses. That the robotics aspect in manufacturing and and warehouse uh, distribution, for sure, um, already very, very present. But for delivery, yeah. It's still going to be a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. only other company I, I'm aware of, and I think it actually it's rolling out in Canada. There's a company, Autonomy, that we're that we have a little bit of a relationship with. They're working with Walmart. They're trying to do so when you do the pickup or order online, pick up a curb. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are they're using autonomous vehicles to bring it from the store oh, yeah. to your car. Yeah. So that's yes. like the last hundred feet. Right. Right. <laughs> Of you know, just that little convenience. It's, it's I would feel good out. about that because I know yesterday I had to do a grocery pickup on my way home. You'd and be it was okay pouring, if a robot. Well, it was pouring oh, rain, yes. and good I feel point. so bad for these kids that come out and they're right. you know, like yeah, yeah, running yeah. up to my window, like, "Hey, is this the right name?" And they're running back there and trying to shove everything as quick as possible and get back yeah. inside, you know, yeah, while yeah, they're yeah. being drenched. And yeah. I mean, that would be nice to have a robot to be able to take that, yeah. you know, take that hit instead. You know, there you go. So, yeah. 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 Right. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, we'll wrap up here in just a moment with our usual value to the VAR. Uh, but before we do that, I want to, as always, thank the sponsors of the Tech yes, podcast. We sure. appreciate all the fine vendors that work with us, sponsor our Tech Connect program, the podcast in general. Yes. Uh, hey, if you like the show, we need to hear from you. 
If you're mm-hmm. listening on a podcast of your choice, leave our five-star rating interview. Yep. If you're watching us on YouTube, like this episode, subscribe to our channel, leave a comment, tell us what you think about this. It amplifies it, it so it, other exactly. people can find us. Exactly. It definitely amplifies and helps other people find us. Uh, suggest topics to us. There's always a link in our show notes where you can go and send a topic to us. Let yep. us know what you want to hear about on the show, who you want to hear from. Uh, for doing it, we send you a Technic Podcast t-shirt yep. just for just for submitting that. Just Boom, for just like that. Yeah. yeah. Just, just in time for summer, by the way. There you go. Nice short sleeve uh, t-shirt for you. There you go. Exactly. And uh, hey, make sure you're following Blue Star on LinkedIn because we're doing all kinds of good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always recaps of our episodes. So if you miss an episode or maybe just didn't get the time to watch it, you can at yep. least quickly read up on the recap. Yeah. We've got our unbox videos. We're always showing off yep. there. We'll let you know what's going on in the new channel. New content that we're Where publishing. we're going to be. New yeah. content, blogs. Yeah. Good so stuff. That's a great place to start just to keep up with everything that we're doing here at Blue Star. And of course, as always, if you want to reach out to us on the podcast and connect with us directly, you can always find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here, starting off with our value to the VAR. Yes. This is our way of kind of wrapping up our conversation, mm-hmm. giving a takeaway for our VARs that are listening of something maybe they can go out and, and do today. So, so Julie, you know, what advice do you have for, for VARs that are looking to grow their business with FMB? They're looking at all of this. They're, they've heard this conversation like, all right, I get it. I know there's tech out there. Maybe I've got some some regional companies that I would like to work with, but I don't quite know where to start. Mm-hmm. What should they be talking about? What should they be asking about? What should they be looking for? knowledge of the industry, um, knowing your client's business, speaking their language is extremely important. It's what's helped me, um, you know, be comfortable very quickly into the business that I'm in because, you know, I was on the other side for so many years. I know the business of my clients inside and out. Um, when you speak their language and you know what their day-to-day is like, um, it, it makes a huge difference. Um, I, I, and, you know, that's exactly what CIS did when I joined, is that they, they, they saw the value in, in me knowing what the industry is like. So if you know your client's business, uh, and you speak their language, you will have success. It's it's all about and and then establishing that confidence and that relationship. It gives you immediate credibility um, with the clients. So I, I think it's 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 crucial. Yeah, and one good way to learn is to get great partners, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. We we talk about the partner ecosystem. A, a company like CIS group is is instrumental in doing that. If you're trying to get into a new area, lean on the people that have the knowledge to to do that yep. and to kind of leapfrog you uh, into having a viable solution very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'll just add on that by saying, hey, pay attention to both ends of the business. While you're out there doing that research and learning about that industry mm. and understanding who they are, not just talk to the distribution side, which is probably where you're focusing your efforts right. for the technology, yeah, 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 yeah. but go talk to the retailers themselves. Mm-hmm. Find out what their pain Don't points are. Don't be afraid. Are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ask them, like, what are they complaining about? What yeah. frustrates them when they're getting deliveries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, figure out where those two things meet between what you're trying to accomplish with the distributor, what's happening on the retail side. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to help you figure out the solutions that'll make them both happy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, yeah, find folks like CIS to partner up with uh, the, to help you get there and, and put and together And you might your unearth, like they have, the CRM angle, I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. The CIS mm-hmm. has there and helping, you know, that's a more of a holistic approach to the whole process. It's brilliant. You might yep. stumble on stuff like that. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap up, as always, with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting with You? Yes. This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, yep. tech, business, innovation. Yep. Yep. yep, Something just that caught our eye, got our attention, we want to chat about today. Uh, Julie, I'll let you start. What's Tech Connecting with you right now? 
Well, for me, it's always all going to be about our clients. That's what's connecting me right now. It's being able to always give better service. Uh, we're in business for our clients. We want to make them better. Uh, and we believe that technology makes them better. So we want to make their experience day in and day out better all the time. So for me, it's it's about the clients. That's what I get up for every morning. And it's it's what I... It's what's at the center of my priorities day in and day out. Yeah, what, I love it. Passion. There, yeah. there it is. Passion there is, is yeah. what's tech connecting there. Uh, without good yeah. old passion, man, it's a, it's hard to, I don't know, it's just not as fun to go through life. Yeah, yeah. That. The, yeah. Human, the human technology. The human technology. The tech of our brain and our passions. Huh? So there you go. So mine is, uh, you know, we've been talking about this whole AI thing, right? Yeah, a few and, times. And we've mentioned it a couple times. Sometimes it's doom and gloom. Sometimes it can do stuff that, like, it reinforces that, that what you already believe to have been true. Okay. Okay. F- here's the headline. Famous Bigfoot footage <laughs> stabilized using AI. So we are, you know what I'm talking <laughs> oh, about. Yeah, it's the, the, swinging Z- the walking, Zapruder-like yeah. film. that of Which this, has been debunked, apparently right? Apparently a big, a big foot in, in the, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, but but now if you, if you look at the video now with the AI that's stabilized, because it's kind of a shaky hand right, right. video, it clearly looks like a dude. Dude in an ape suit yeah. walking through. I feel like that guy. Like I think he passed away some years ago. And Roger Peterson and, and Robert. Did yeah. Oh, did he? Okay, so. and Gimlin. They, those are the two that shot this footage, claiming you know back. This is October twentieth, nineteen sixty-seven. That they came across this Bigfoot guy. Right. right. Uh, but I'm telling you, now that you watch this AI stabilized, <laughs> it's even more of a joke. I mean, it just it looks oh, so silly that it's it's easy to now discount that as a, as a hoax. So if there right. are any conspirators out there, which I'm sure. There are, uh, you know, that we're we're thinking this anyway. So, well, I mean, there was still like whole programs about Bigfoot, and people were still in the search for Bigfoot. It's on right now. Like, if you go to the Discovery Channel or something like that, they've got a whole series. There you go. Yeah, the search. Well, they'll just just find another video that says it's proof. Fair enough. Well, there's a good use of AI, debunking (laughs) stuff. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you cannot look at that video and not think it's just a dude. Right, right. (laughs) I keep coming, Andy. I got a, a uh, headline for you. Alphabet layoffs hit trash sorting robots. <laughs> what? We wait, talking... wait, 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 wait. Alphabet, yes. <laughs> so we the were talking big... about robots, robotics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so the company has recently laid off thousands of employees, and it's also shutting down a unit working on robots that learn to open doors and clean tables. Um, I'll have a link in the show notes to this because it's, right. it's interesting just to watch some of these robots and they got some little video from it. But apparently this is a this was a, a branch of Alphabet, this project they have called uh, X. It's their it's, it's Alphabet <laughs> Project X. X. Well, oh, Element a, X. Yeah, Alphabet X. It's all their right. it's their moonshot lab or basically like all kinds of like okay. just projects that oh, people right. try out. And This would and, be the coolest implement. lab in the world to work oh, in. Oh, yeah, but, no but, doubt. Yeah, go ahead. So apparently like, you know, there's been all the cuts that Alphabet's had, you know, and a lot of these other big tech companies mm-hmm. have, have hit mm-hmm. them too. So they've had to pare down some budget. Uh, in order to to you know g- you know make things happen and and move forward with their other priorities, so this robotics adventure was the latest failed bet for X, which in the past decade had also spun out internet beaming balloons. It was called Loon, <laughs> power generating kites, Makani, and deem- before deeming them too commercially inviable to keep afloat. Mm. So these the robots really weren't in any way practical just yet, but they right. basically were using them like in the cafeteria to okay, do got it. to do cleanup, like yep. basically to come over and like you know clean up a table right. when yeah. someone was done. Uh-huh. And apparently they had also integrated some small, like almost like Chat GPT version of AI, mm. where folks could interact with them and 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 tell them to clean something or say things like "I'm hungry" and it would go get them some chips. However, the robots were also struggling with stuff like lighting in the room or package size, so it wouldn't necessarily be able to 
accurately do everything. So it was more of a test run. But apparently the employees loved them and they just enjoyed having them around. But they're shut down. But now they're shut down, unfortunately. Gotcha. They're, yeah. they're, like a lot of others, they're jobless well, at the moment. There you so. have it. Yeah, when, yeah. when tough times get around, <laughs> these pet projects of trash-collecting robots... Out the door. There you go. Just like, you know, marketing always feels like you're on the chopping block, but mm-hmm. now you know. Yeah, yeah, there you a go. company now like you, Alphabet. Now you know. Now you know. All right. That's what's tech connecting with us today. Uh, thank you so much, Julie, for joining us. We appreciated having you on the show. Yes, thanks. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, until next time, um, you know, go look up some Bigfoot footage, see if you can AI stabilize <laughs> Get in the link it. And, yeah, and I wanted to do it. some Loch Ness stuff, you know, oh, the Loch Ness monster. Point. That's yeah, the yeah, one yeah, that yeah. I feel still could still be. Still could be, yeah, maybe. That's a yeah. big, deep, you know, yeah, yeah, deep yeah. little lake there. Yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. there's something going on there. Yeah. Maybe there is. Uh, and hey, if you got a job for a, uh, a robot, there's some that I think they're uh, looking for. Right now. And as always, folks, please stay connected. TechNet Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. Zebra industrial printers are designed for harsh and demanding environments. Oh, man. Harsh and demanding. Harsh and demanding, yeah. Maybe not the middle of the desert, but, you know, at least places <laughs> where, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of, a lot of, it's harsh. Yeah, it's yeah, harsh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with rugged durability and future-proof adaptability, their user-friendly barcode label and RFID printers are designed to provide 24-7 reliability. Don't compromise. Choose Zebra for high to mid-volume applications. So now we're introducing the latest additions mm. to Zebra's industrial printing board. All right. The ZT111 and ZT231. These new printers give you the best performance and long-lasting durability you've come to expect from the global leader in barcode label printing. So the ZT111 is a budget-friendly, entry-level, light industrial computer. Light nice. Industrial, yes, I like that. Uh, with fast print speeds, crisp print quality, and an all-metal frame. That's mm. where that durability. Yeah, 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 yeah. That harsh really environment comes in. <laughs> even in light industrial. Exactly. Yes. The ZT231 offers even more durability, faster print speeds, a color touchscreen, and an RFID model while still being quite affordable. Holy moly. Yeah, seriously? Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, Zebra printers are built to last. They're secure. They provide years of performance, especially when used with Zebra certified supplies. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about the new ZT printers. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by Elo. One product, Dean. Yes. Thousands of uses. That's cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the um, Swiss Army. Knife. I was just about to go there. Yeah. Of, it's like of touch <laughs> one product, thousands of use. <laughs> the possibilities are endless with Elo's iSeries 4. From self-order and self-checkout to order pickup and virtual assistance, pair the iSeries with a variety of stands to create your perfect kiosk. Audio and video applications? Yes, usually. Yep, yep. The iSeries offers built-in digital microphones and an 8-megapixel camera. iSeries also lets retailers build engaging experiences, educate buyers, create brand awareness, and drive purchases in-store with an easy-to-use interactive platform that can adapt as needs change. Critical. With a a built-in I.O. hub, USB-C connectivity, and optional customer-facing display, you can easily convert your favorite iSeries into a powerful industrial-designed POS system. Yep. To learn more and select the perfect iSeries display for your customers' needs, contact your Blue Star ELO representative.